Hello, everybody. This is your favorite pastor, Pyrus, uh, pastor, pastor, part, part, yes, it's me again, making errors as usual, but it makes everybody smile, doesn't it? And uh, I have to think of a new introduction one of these days, I think. Okay, um, somebody sent me in a nice little thing here that I want to read to everybody. It's called In the Fullness of Time. It's actually our retired pastor from New Life Family Church in Margate. But right at the very end, I'm not going to read all of it, just the last paragraph. He says, praise God, but in his own time, and he's talking about God. Planned long before the world was created and before time began, he fulfilled his promise and sent his son. who was born in Bethlehem and was called Jesus because he could save his people from their sins. Or well, praise him, how he came, where he came and why he came is all foretold in the detail of the Old Testament. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, he came in the fullness of time. He came to save us, to bring us from darkness into light, to transform us, to fill us with his spirit and give us the freedom of the children of God. It was time for the word to become flesh and dwell among us. It was time to show to the world that sinful people could be forgiven and become one in Christ. Time for salvation, for healing, the brokenhearted and setting captives free. It is still God's time. And even though this particular time has its challenges, we can now, we can know his presence, his peace and his power. It is his time all the time. Wow. I'm re I was just discussing time, how it sort of goes quickly and how old people are getting or not looking, but becoming um, as time drifts by. And we have in the studio with us today, Pastor Ray Bevan. So we've just lost him for a little bit because his camera's gone down and I'm sure he will pop back with us. No, it looks like we're going to have to come back and log in again. Never mind, not to worry, we will pause the recording and start again. Well, we've reconnected with Pastor Ray Bevan. Hi, Ray, how are you? I'm doing very well, Iris. How are you doing? Oh, I think we're doing okay. We're getting there today with a few technical hitches. Yeah, well, it's not like the old days, is it? Then faxes. Well, that, that was a lot easier, wasn't it? You could pick it up and read it when you had time to. Well, exactly. I think, you know, when we were younger, I don't know about you, but I think back to uh, the 60s when I was a teenager, life was much more simple. Yeah. You know, and you, and you actually had a private life in those days. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it takes much longer, doesn't it, to fill in things at the bank when it's all done by computer. But you went along with your passbook and they just wrote it in and you walked away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, do you know what? I, I sometimes think, you know, I, I, I read an article about uh, this guy uh, did a study on Facebook and the very thing that was designed to create communication between this, you know, young people. It, uh, they're saying now that it's actually having the opposite effect, that people um, are, actually Facebook is defeating its own object and people are becoming more isolated, even though they're more connected. Yeah. This is. Yeah, we, there's no substitute for, you know, face-to-face, -face, is there? No, there isn't. 
And I think that, that's right. I, I don't like Facebook and any of the media, really. It's useful for, you know, sort of getting in touch with somebody. Yeah. Because it's, it's just become the norm. But as you said, it takes up all your time. And, and you're there focused on the camera in your, on your own. Yes. Just talking to, to nothingness, really. Well, exactly. Exactly all I've got. Go on, I said, I'm back again. Back Somebody again. keeps calling me. And I don't, know how, I, I don't know how to do now. I just press decline. That's it. Sorry oh, about right. that. Oh, because you're doing this on your phone, aren't you? I'm on my phone. Sorry, I don't, I don't have a laptop. That's okay. I don't mind that. Yeah, it's interrupting with the signal, which reminds me to turn mine off, I suppose. But I mean, the best thing about radio, Ray, is that you can just be yourself, you know, and as yes. you know, you've got a face to face. We can talk like this. This even Zoom is better. But we're using yes. Zoom. can't use our usual method of uh, recording yeah. because that's personal. Yes. Um, and, and I really miss it because I, I miss people. So we have to do it on yeah. Zoom. But at least with Zoom, you're seeing each other and you're having a two-way conversation. And even yeah, you can do it's good. a few friends, yeah. aren't you? The only thing on radio, the people can't see how good-looking we are. Oh, that's true. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's been happening then in your life? I mean, it's a few years since you and I did any talking or any communication, didn't even remember who yeah. it was, but I mean, there you go, all the people you meet. <laughs> well, life is, you know, well, you know, as you know, Iris, for 25 years, I pastored the King's Church in Newport, and um, I am 71, I've gone on 72, so six years ago, um, um, the Lord told me it was time to transition the church to the next generation. Um, so that's what I did. And I, I really didn't know the, you know, what the Lord had for me in the future, but I like that because I like the element of risk and living by faith and the, you know, the spontaneous. So I handed the church over and, and the Lord said to me very clearly, he said, he said, when I, when I was doing the transition service, he said to me, Ray, today you're not only setting in a son, but the church is sending out a father. That's what he said to me. And he said there is a need for fathers in the ministry, particularly in the ministry. And I, I started to read, um, I think it's First John 2, where, you know, John speaks like this. He says, I speak to you, children. Then he says, I speak to you, fathers. Then he said, I speak to you, young men. And I noticed that it's in the wrong order. Yeah. It should be children, young men, fathers. Yeah. So I said, look, why are the fathers in the middle? He said, because um, the fathers are in the middle because children cannot become mature without them. And so uh, I'm finding a lot of my ministry um, when I minister around the world is not just to the congregation, but to the people that are leading them. And many of them are young people. And another aspect of my calling now until the day I die, the Lord really has been marinating my heart over the last 15 years um, in grace alone. 
um, I always thought that I was a grace preacher um, until um, God uh, just um, revolutionized my life with a, a fresh awakening of the necessity of preaching the gospel in its nakedness. And, and I realized that for years I was not doing that. I was preaching um, a mixture of law and grace together. And the Lord said to me, he said, no, he said, he said, law and grace cannot stay in the same room. Um, once the law has done its work, and that is to bring us to the feet of grace, it has to leave. And he said, well, you've been preaching a mixture. So I've been studying, marinating my heart in the gospel that Paul preached. And I didn't realize how much I was missing out. And that's another story. And that's why I've written a book called um, Grace Shouts Louder. You can, you can buy it on Amazon by Ray Bevan, Grace Shouts Louder. And it's my journey into this fresh awakening of the grace of God, you know. And, and then he said to me, I'm going to send you out as an abolitionist to my church. Um, an abolitionist, as you know, is someone who delivers somebody else from slavery. And he said to me, Ray, the biggest form of slavery on planet Earth today is in my church. He said, my people are worshipping me in chains. And he showed me the children of Israel, you know, worshipping Yahweh for 400 years in chains until he sent an abolitionist in the form of Moses commanded Pharaoh to let them go. And there are so many Christians, Iris, they are living with the chains of condemnation and fear and, 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 and um, a lack of self-worth, uh, all because they, they, they really have not had the revelation of the grace of God that can set them free, you know? And so... Um, you know, I have been, uh, you know, for, uh, God has been preparing me for, you know, for 15 years. He told me to marinate the church in, in grace alone. And, and during that process, uh, he's been preparing me for this season of my life now. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm telling you earlier on that we moved, God moved us out of Devon after 30 years and brought us back to, to Margate. And that was only seven years ago this month, on the 18th right. of the month. <clears throat> yeah, six years ago, as you were saying, God's pulled me out of the church, but he didn't do it just with you and I, Beth, um, Ray. He did it with all the people who were really hungry for more of God. Yeah. But who were listening for his heart to bring them together for this time. And this purpose, and that was saying about how God had, had kept us in the loop one way or another. Sure. You know, and, and I, you're absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, and I'm loving it. And I think, you know, I think also uh, I was very interested with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the stuff that you read from your pastor in the fullness, when the fullness of time had come. Yeah. And I think and I think young, you know, when the older you get, you learn to value what I call the space between. 
um, you know, because many young people, they want it, they want it now. They go from event to event, from excitement to excitement. And, and, and for me, I believe one of the keys to longevity is to understand the space between, like that scripture you quoted, when the fullness of time had come. In other words, the fullness of time is the space between the promise given and the promise manifested. Right. And like when um, that promise particularly was given to Eve in the Garden of Eden, mm. um, a seed right. shall, you know, shall come from you that will destroy the enemy. Mm. And the, the space between the promise given and the fullness of time um, was 2,000 years. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I don't think we value the space between, you know, you can call it transition, incubation, gestation. Um, but, um, but that space between, I believe, that's where God does his greatest work in us. Yes, I think you're right. That one, actually, the, the one he used came from Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6. Yeah. And it is a, it's a powerful scripture. I had never really noticed it before. Like saying, God, yeah, well, it's it's powerful, yeah. You know, uh, uh, that sorry, uh, the promise that that promise to Eve actually took 3,000 years to come to pass. And and I think a lot of people they say, When is God? When is God? Well, stop, you know, sort of getting frustrated about when will God, it's what is God doing during that space between in you. Um, you know, for David, it was 17 years. I mean, you can imagine what he felt like in the cave of Adullam. You know, he he was driven from his home. His, you know, he thought, man, you know, he could still taste the anointing oil of Samuel in his mouth. You're going to be king one day. And, you know, and you can imagine how the enemy was messing with his head. Oh, you're just an arrogant little thing. That never really happened. It was a dream. Uh, it took 17 years. Yeah. But God doing his greatest work in David during those 17 years. For Joseph, it was 12 years. It was almost like Joseph with a coat of many colors. Uh, he, it, it was almost like his destiny was going in reverse. Yeah. Uh, but, but God was using that space between uh, to prepare him to be prime minister of Egypt. I mean, Abraham waited 25 years for the promise of Isaac. And I think very often, Iris, we get impatient. And like Abraham, we try to manufacture, or we try to, uh, you know, to manufacture the promise coming to pass before its time. There, there is a fullness of time for every promise God gives you. And, and, and the space between is what we are becoming. We, we, God is more interested in what we are becoming than what we become, if you understand what I mean. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but... No, it does, actually. Um, because there's a lot of learnings to do, and we would treat it differently if we'd run off with it in the first, in the beginning. Um, yes. We now, because we now have understanding. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, an, it's also a question of allowing God to lead and allowing God, really trusting God. 
because even at this time I'm thinking am I really going to go out at 80 years old and you know and this prophecy yeah. by the way Ray goes back Sorry. this prophecy goes back of mine goes back to um, the days when we were in Devon in the early days that which would have been yeah. around about over 30 years ago now when somebody yeah. prophesied I went into the Christian Centre. I was working with with Ruth Warner, and uh, and I said, "You know, the Lord's just spoken to me on the, on the drive in," and uh, I had to stop the car and pull over and listen. And he said something about seven seven seven, and I've got to take it to the churches and tell him that that's his answer to the six six six. And I'm thinking, oh, she's going to think I'm loopy, and. Uh, yeah. And she said, oh, you've got to go to the nations. You've got to go to the nations. So I said, I can't, I can't fly. I can't, no, it's not me. It's not me. But and years and years later, that, that thought never went away. But years and years later, um, somebody said to me, Iris, God's going to bring the nations to you. Uh-huh. And then it started to click. Many more years later, three other people gave me separately the same words yeah until the last one which was about about four years ago and and that, and and so you can see it then starting to to grow and come into fruition yeah and sure now, and now i speak to every nation in the world from the radio and, there you go and i have people connecting with me we've just gone into northeastern Europe as well. Just this morning, I just got a new platform with the the Joshua generation. They've got over twenty thousand members in that. Great. We connected Great. with another church in the UK who has one hundred and fifty churches worldwide and UK. Awesome. Based a base of over two million. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Isn't that great, so, that's God connecting you with the nations. Yeah. The funny thing was, I'd gone, I'd gone and, 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 and I went the way the Lord showed me and, and everything else. And I connected with a bunch of African people and I thought I had the nations. And there's me sat in this great big long picture, my little white face, in amongst all these beautiful African women. Lovely. And, and I'm part of that organisation as well. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is the nations. Yeah. on to what I've just explained and I think that's the amazing <laughs> thing about God because his vision is bigger than ours well it is and uh, you know I think very often people you know they 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 um you know they they don't live with that sense of spontaneity and allowing you know I I call it being ambushed by God yes and, you know, he. Uh, most of my life, I've been ambushed, Iris. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, v- uh, very often, you know, the scripture where it says, "You can make your plans, but I can." Uh, but my translation is, "You can make your plans, but I can ambush you anytime." Exactly. <laughs> because that's, if he told you what he was going to do, you would definitely say, "Ah, uh-uh, that's not for me." Now, and many people, you see, they think that, you know, they, what does God want me to do? So what they do, they give up their jobs and they lock themselves in a room and they pray and wait for God. God doesn't work like that. He says, look, go make your plans. Yeah. Go on, make it. Have a 10-year goal and mess that up in day one. 
You know what I mean? But but go ahead and make your plans anyway. God's not going to call somebody who's not moving. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, and I've been ambushed all my life, love. And I, do you know what? I love it. Great. It's exciting. Well, it is exciting. Really is. I mean, you know. I mean, um, you know. God even prepares for your mistakes, and this is wild. Uh, he, you know, some people they don't take risks because they think I'm going to mess up, I'm going to fail, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. I mean, God is bigger than even your mistakes. I mean, look at Jonah; he was running in the opposite direction. Uh, he, you could call that what Jonah did was a massive mistake, right? They threw him off the ship, but God had already. It says, "Watch this." God had prepared a fish, yeah. so. So God had already prepared for Jonah's mistake. <laughs> so yeah. don't worry, man. I mean, you know, just 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 live, just risk, take risks. That's right. I quite agree. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I really like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I'm. I mean, you've got opportunity here, right? What message would you give to the world right now? Right now, wow, that's um, wow, that's a bit, that's a big question, isn't it? I mean, what would I I would say? Look, I, you know, I would say this: learn, learn to practice the presence of God. There was a book out some years ago called "Practicing the Presence of Jesus," yeah. and very often, because we are human, we want to feel all the time. Right, and and there are so many people getting depressed and thinking, "Is God left me?" You know, no. You you wake up every day and practice the presence of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you are with me today. Everything I have is in you. And you know what? What will happen is you will develop um, um, the when you do this, you'll develop how to trust God. You know, I I. I I, I preached a message in the church some time ago called "Why Trusting God? Why is it so hard?" You know, it's that we get the stock answer when we're going through stuff, or just trust God. Yeah, well, how do you do that? I, I'm a, a very practical sort of preacher, and I'd want to. I want to try to explain to people. Well, how do you trust? And I said to the Lord, <clears throat> I said, Lord, how? Why is it hard for me to trust you when things are going wrong? And you know what he said to me, Alice? He said, because you always want to know why. He Uh, said, Ray, he said, if you want to trust me, surrender your desire to know why. Yeah, I understand that. Right? Yeah. We all, so that's what it means to trust God. It's, 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 It's a higher level of faith. Faith. Trust is faith plus nothing. And so you just have to learn to surrender. Like I, I was, <laughs> you know, here's here's Mary. It's Christmas, okay? Here, the Christmas story is amazing. I mean, the most amazing miracle um, that of the universe, God becoming flesh in Mary's womb. I mean, it's just a remarkable story when you think about it. And so you can imagine Joseph. I mean, he was totally bewildered about what was going on. He didn't know when his fiance comes comes up to him and says, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And he's going, really? Are you serious? 
So he tries to put her away, bless him. And then uh, and God speaks to him in a dream. I, I, I often wonder why God always used to speak to Joseph in a dream. Perhaps he was sleeping all the time. I don't know. But anyway, so he sorted it out with Joseph. So he came up to speed on the program. So the baby was born, an amazing miracle. Then, then God comes to Joseph and says, run for your life to Egypt because Herod is after the kid, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I was Joseph, I would say, are you serious? God, you just created, you just performed the most amazing miracle the universe has ever seen. And now you're telling us to run. And I would start to reason with the Lord if I was Joseph. And I'd say, hey, listen, got a better plan. Why didn't you just kill Herod? End of story, right? But no, he said, you go to Egypt and wait there until I call you back. And I call Egypt the place of wondering. The place of why. And, there's, uh, and very often in our lives, we will experience Egypt. We will experience a place where we ask why. And very often God does not answer that question, uh, why. And, 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 and I think that's, for me, the greatest, one of the, the best less, lessons I could pass on is if I had my time over again, I would worry less on purpose. Mm. I wouldn't, you know, I, you know I, I would learn to surrender my desire to know why. Because very often, Iris, and I use this phrase, we end up in what I call the unplanned places of destiny. Places we never plan to be. I never planned to be divorced. Mm. I never planned for my wife to leave me. When I stood at the altar, it was for life. Mm. I wasn't planning, but it happened. Mm. It, it happened. So here I am in an unplanned place of destiny. Mm. Um, and, and those are the times when you really have to trust God and surrender your desire to know why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And also, yeah. did you find, Ray, that when you got to that place, life you yeah. sort of enjoy life a little more because that pressure wasn't on you to yeah. keep finding out why and keep studying and keep locking yourself into places where god didn't want you to be i did exactly exactly look we're human we're human we're we're we're, we're human i mean we make mistakes we make wrong decisions we get hurt we get afraid it's part of life and, uh, and, you know, the only stable thing in our life is the, is the consistent love of God. That's the only stabilizing factor. God loves me. There is no condemnation uh, because I'm in Christ. And we, we are a major. You see, you know, the reason why many people get discouraged is because they put too much emphasis on their faithfulness instead of God's. And so... When they fail, they think God is not pleased with them because they, 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 they measure their holiness by their own rules and by their own faithfulness. When it's not about what we do, it's what about, it's what, about he's, what he's already done. Yeah. And uh, instead, of, instead of looking at our imperfection, uh, the Bible calls us uh, to study his perfection. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we just need to rest a bit more and not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. It's a lot easier, isn't it? Well, everybody knows I'm a plonker. I just got to catch up. <laughs> oh, no, I just always thought you were a very funny person, actually. We used to enjoy your ministry. <laughs> another thing, sense of humour is, I think, uh, is, is another thing that's, that's kept me strong over these years. You know, you have to have a sense of humour. Yeah. Don't, don't take yourself too seriously or, uh, you know, otherwise you've had it. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Well, I hope, Ray, that you're going to come back and talk to us again. Anytime. Um, give us a call, Iris. And uh, and talk to the people as well. Sure. I won't push you to prepare anything. Just leave it to what God says. Well, like we did today, it's nice. Just go with the flow. Just that's come right. Down to your... That's right. But yeah, we'd love to see you back, and uh, I'm sure God has got like, got this going for a reason. Absolutely, Chris. It's been a joy talking to you. You too. So we say bye bye for now. And okay. And say bye bye to everybody. It's time for us to bye end bye. our time. See you. see you all again soon. Bye bye.